Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, November 7th, 2017, and I'm your host, Arielle Taylor, with my co-hosts, Lavendar and Anastasia. On our website, we've just announced our next two Starseed Quests to Arkansas in March and May of 2018. If you have at least one galactic marking on your natal chart, which is 25, 26, or 27 degrees of any sign, you're eligible to participate in this soul group reunion in the crystal capital of the world. The Spring Equinox Athena's Birthday Gathering is March 16 to 19, and then in May, again for Pleiadian Lineup, 18 through 21. And we will be in Arkansas uh, for the November Pleiadian Lineup for the next two Tuesdays. So after tonight, our next show will be on the 28th of November. Well, we are happy to welcome Maureen St. Germain back to our show this evening. Maureen has had a lifelong interest in the Akashic Records, which resulted in her being granted access to this dimension that has been off-limits to most of humanity for millions of years. Founder of Akashic Records International, she's an extremely accurate Akashic Records guide and instructor, well known as the Practical Mystic. Maureen's newest book, Waking Up in 5D, A Practical Guide to Multidimensional Transformation, provides tools and teachings to guide you in the transition from the polarized mindset of the third dimension to the joy and love of fifth dimensional vibrations. It explains how to recognize the 5D experiences you've already had, identify the differences between 3D and 5D thinking, and turn 3D viewpoints around to expand your perception of what is possible. Waking up in 5D includes exercises to protect your energies, especially while sleeping, and sacred geometry meditations to open to higher frequencies. You can find out more at her website, which is Maureen St. Germain. Maureen is spelled M-A-U-R-E-E-N-S-T, Germain, G-E-R-M-A-I-N.com. At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, bringing topics of interest to Starseeds that you will hear in the mainstream. And we'd like to thank Kathy and Fiona for hosting the switchboard tonight for anyone who has a question or comment for Maureen. You check out our online Starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com, and it's a safe place to connect with other Starseeds thanks to Tammy's dedication and help with our forum. You can download our shows on iTunes or right here on Blog Talk. And if you'd like to show your support of our program, please click follow on our page here at Blog Talk and you'll get our weekly show notice. And the toll-free number for StarseedHotline.com is 888-881-0881. The Stage 1 Starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings and your natal astrological chart and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself. For those who need healing of any kind, emotional, physical, or spiritual, for yourself or your pets, Tammy's powerful remote sessions will make a difference for you. And if you have a birthday coming up, you don't want to miss out on your 10 hours of power, do you? You can find out when that happens by requesting 
uh, your solar return timing. And please remember, if you want an interpretation of that chart, you're going to need to order at least three months ahead of your birthday. So first of this evening, I would like to introduce Anastasia with her fascinating Starseed News. Hey, Anastasia. Good evening, Ariel. Great to be with everybody tonight. Just wonderful. Well, we have a geomagnetic storm in progress right now. It's been predicted, and a solar wind stream has engulfed the Earth today. But the geomagnetic storms it's producing are stronger than they expect them to be. We're under moderate G2-class storms underway right now, sparking auroras around both of our planet's poles. The gaseous stream is flowing from a wide hole in the sun's atmosphere, and Earth could be inside this for days. So NOAA forecasters say that there is a greater than 50% chance of continued solar storms for the next couple of days through the 8th and 9th of November at least. And NASA is calling for your help. Are you creative? NASA thinks that you can come up with a much better name than 486-958-2014-MU69. <laughs> what is that? Well, <laughs> New Horizons spacecraft is going to fly to the outer edge of the solar system and past 486-958-MU69 in January of 2019. Now, I don't know what the object is because NASA doesn't know what the object is. It's an object. That's its name. And uh, nevertheless, uh, even though nobody knows what it is exactly, NASA is asking the public to provide this object with a new name. No wonder. And as of this morning, the favorite name out of the eight names submitted so far is Thor's Hammer. NASA is accepting its submissions until the 1st of December, and it will announce the winner in January of 2018. So come on, guys, what do you want to call 486-958-2014-MU69? Let's come up with a name. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Send your submissions to NASA before December 1st. All right. And, you know, if you win, there will be some space object named after you or a name that you gave it. Real cool. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's a far-out opportunity. We've got some really creative starseed. Come on, guys. Send him a cool name. Okay, and then we'll find out what it is. So that's uh, <laughs> that's kind of backwards, but it's super cool. Uh, well, they have discovered that fake gravity will have to be essential in order to avoid brain damage while traveling through space. Uh, NASA has said that it may need to invent, they really should say has to, but... Uh, NASA will need to invent a spaceship with artificial gravity before humans can venture to Mars. And this follows a new study that found weightlessness causes really serious changes in the brain. They say that a mission to Mars is fraught with technical challenges, but the real difficulties may lie in getting astronauts there to Mars with their brains intact. Alarming new research that's been funded by NASA has found that microgravity causes the brains of astronauts to shift upwards and become squashed at the top of their skulls, which puts pressure on the vital neural regions. Now, the effects of space flight on the human body have been studied actively since the mid-20th century, and it's widely known that microgravity influences metabolism, heat regulation, heart rhythm, muscle tone, bone density, and respiration, just about everything. 
and they say although artificial gravity still lies firmly in the uh, realms of science fiction, theoretically they're working on a uh, plan that would allow a spinning space, uh, spinning space station, hoping that it would create enough centrifugal force to create the effect of being pinned to the surface. In other words, artificial gravity induced by spinning, just as the Earth spins. So we'll keep that, we'll keep an eye on that. Certainly that's something they're going to have to figure out. Star Trek isn't here yet. You know, those old sci-fi uh, movies and programs, it mm -hmm. shows people just being in luxury, the lap of luxury, not one thing out of balance, nothing ever falls, and never, the ships go upside down and sideways and every which way, and everybody's still standing up. So <laughs> it, it is it is an a engineering dilemma to come to figure out how to fix that, but that will be really cool when they do it, and I'm quite sure that they'll figure it out. Well, we have a couple of volcanoes uh, going off, a couple of activity uh, areas in the in the, across the world. They issued a warning uh, at Mount Lokon in Indonesia. Uh, local authorities there have prohibited residents and visitors for com from coming within a nearby radius to the crater of Mount Lokon uh, because they have uh, increased um, activity with tremors. Uh, since Thursday, they have issued a level two alert for that volcano and also the Mayan volcano in the Philippines is showing abnormal behavior. They had uh, 25 earthquakes yesterday, and their sulfur dioxide emission shot up. So those two volcanoes are rocking and rolling a bit. No eruptions yet, just indication that something's happening underground. Well, here's something really interesting. The oldest map to ever use the word America is up for sale by Christie's Auction House. Christie's discovered a previously unknown copy. It's a copy of a 510-year-old map that they're calling America's birth certificate because, according to them, this map gave the New World its name, America. Now, the map was created in 1507 by a German cartographer, and it's the, early piece, the earliest piece of writing that uses the word America. They say it's the oldest known printed globe because it was designed to be cut out of flat paper and pasted around a wooden ball. It is also the first map to show North and South America as separate continents and to depict a distinct Pacific Ocean, which no European had then seen. Fascinating. Wow. And Christie's plans to offer the map for sale in Great Britain, and they're going to set the price well, they think it will fetch, let's put it this way, between 780000 and over $1 million when they sell it at auction. Well, in a similar vein, um, a looted painting that has been in American hands has been ordered back to a French family. A Paris court uh, today ordered an American couple to return a valuable Picasso painting looted during World War II to the descendants of a French Jewish uh, family who owned that painting at the time. Now, the owners recently had loaned the painting called Picking Peas uh, to a Paris museum for an ex exhibition. But the painting was pulled out of exhibition and placed in escrow after one of the French heirs recognized it and filed a lawsuit to have their work returned. Well, a civil court said today that the current owners didn't act in bad faith when they bought the painting from Christie's auction earlier, uh, in fact, two decades ago. 
And the owners have since decided to appeal the judge's ruling. They don't want to get the painting back. Well, in the meantime, the court ruled that sales of all goods looted to Jewish people by the French uh, Vichy regime of the, of the Nazis um, during the war were declared void by France's post-war authorities. So they have to give all this back. Now, the artwork's estimated worth is now about $2 million. Attorneys say that the court's ruling will pose legal uncertainty on all collectors who have bought paintings in good faith over the years since uh, World War II. So we'll see what happens. They're they're appealing it and uh, don't know what's going to happen on that. Hmm. Have you guys been watching TV at all or much? Um, the other day I saw an ad bleep across the screen. It was uh, an ad to impeach Trump, and this has made the uh, the news. And uh, this ad to impeach Trump is now gaining some popularity. I wondered about it at the time, and now I found out through this article that a well-heeled Democrat has initiated a big-ticket nationwide ad campaign to bring about the impeachment of U.S. President Donald Trump, and lawmakers on both sides of the fence are taking note. They are paying attention. <clears throat> this is a high-profile launch of an eight-figure countrywide, and it's a campaign by a former hedge fund manager turned activist named Tom Steyer has asked that U.S. lawmakers in Washington, D.C. take a stand to remove Trump from the presidency. He said to the, in his interview with The Guardian, and I quote, We believe that Trump is dangerous to the American people. People in Congress and his own administration know that Trump is a clear and present danger who's mentally unstable and armed with nuclear weapons. And last week's indictments of Trump campaign manager Paul Manafort alongside a guilty plea by former Trump advisor George Papadopoulos clearly put impeachment on the table, according to the ad buyer, the man who is running the campaign to impeach. And another Trump story in South Korea. Thousands of South Koreans flocked to streets of Seoul to demand peace with North Korea and to protest the upcoming visit by Donald Trump on his first Asian tour. We oppose war, the people cried, and there were 5,000 protesters chanting in Seoul, waving banners and balloons that read, Peace, Not War. Some held, held placards that said, No Trump, No War. Others slammed both the U.S. leader and his North Korean counterpart, Kim Jong-un, for the rising tensions. The sign said, Trump and Kim are using the current military standoff for their own political gain, while we South Koreans are trembling with our fear of war. And a former manager of the DOD Aerospace Threat Program says UFOs are real. Now, former high-level officials and scientists with insider experience came forward on one platform early last month. And these insiders have long-standing connections to government agencies, which may have programs investigating unidentified aerial phenomena, UAP or UFOs. Now, the team includes a 25-year veteran of the CIA's Directorate of Operations, Lockheed Martin Program Director for Advanced Systems at Skunk Works, and a former Deputy Assistant General of Defense for Intelligence. Now, present for that meeting was a man named Louis Elonzondo, who ran an important program at the DOD. And I hope I said his name right, by the way. Uh, less than two weeks after leaving the Pentagon, Louis Elizondo confirmed that UFOs are real. He said they exist and that they have been officially documented. 
Now, he is a former high-ranking DOD official, and he proclaims that official UF, that an official UFO program exists. And he says that although he does not speak for the DOD, since he's no longer employed there, he also said, we are planning to provide never-before-released footage from real U.S. government systems. These are not blurry, amateur photos, but real data and real videos. He also said, we are inviting our government colleagues and friends in defense to participate regularly with their own findings. Mm. Wow. Well, a judge in Hawaii has ordered a man to write 144 compliments about his ex-girlfriend. <laughs> you know, when sentencing wrongdoers, judges sometimes deliver punishments that are anything but ordinary. And these make very interesting news articles. Well, this happened last week when a Hawaii judge ordered the defendant to write more than 140 nice things about his ex-girlfriend after he violated a protection order. The judge said, for every nasty thing you said about her, you're going to say some nice things, the judge said to the defendant, and you can't repeat your words. Well, last (laughs) February, the defendant was under a judge's order to stop contacting his ex-girlfriend, leave her alone. But his compliance was short-lived because soon after, he texted her 144 times during a three-hour period. And as a result of that, they arrested him, and he spent 157 days in jail. Well, at his sentencing, they gave him $2,400 in fines and ordered him to do 200 hours of community service. And then the judge gave him the make-up-for-your-potty-mouth assignment. And the judge (laughs) said... It's so childish to think a grown man could be so thumb-happy. I hope you don't have a phone anymore, (laughs) he said in the sentencing. Mm. Um, Well, any of you watch scary movies on Halloween? Some people do. And a lot of people watch Frankenstein movies on Halloween. Well, a married couple of Winter Park, Florida, welcomed their new baby son into the world October 31st. And the baby's grandmother has said that everyone is so super excited, and it's the first baby in their family with a Halloween birthday. They named him Oscar. What's the family surname? (laughs) Their name is Frankenstein. So the baby is Oscar Frankenstein, born on Halloween, 2017. Little Oscar may think that's cute for a while, but I'll bet by the time he's 30... Well, our quote for the week. Did you know that in 1922, Albert Einstein said, a calm and modest life brings more happiness than the pursuit of success combined with constant restlessness. Now, when he said that, this was uh, about the time he was notified that he'd won the Nobel Prize, the Nobel Prize. He wasn't a wealthy man. Apparently, he didn't have enough money to tip uh, elevator attendants or, you know, give tips to cabbies or whatever. He didn't have any money. So he wrote, A calm and modest life brings more happiness than the pursuit of success, combined with constant restlessness. Whatever that last part means. Well, you know, the paper that he wrote this quote on, you know how much it sold for recently? Hmm. $1.3 million. $1.3 million. That sentence sold for on a piece of paper. Now, how ironic is that? (laughs) Really? (laughs) 
A quote about being happy is more important than success just sold for $1.3 million. Life is all upside down, isn't it? Yeah. There you have it. (laughs) (laughs) That's it for this week's News Ariel. From my heart to each one of you, have a beautiful week and much love. Hold your heads up and keep on shining. Well, thank you so much, Anastasia. Some really good things to ponder in tonight's news. And uh, come up with a name for NASA. So thank oh, yeah, you so I much. You could be famous. Yeah, I could you. be I could be including you on the Starseed News if you're the ones that find the name. So go for it. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? Uh, yeah. All right. Have a great night, everybody. Much love to you. Thanks so much. Good night, Anastasia. Okay, well, I am going to um, get Lavendar's mic open here. And then our special guest, Maureen St. Germain. Welcome to the show, Maureen. Thank you for having me. What a pleasure. Oh, it's always a pleasure to have you with us. And Lavendar, you set and ready? I'm here. I'm ready. Okay, take it away. So, Maureen, I have been heavy into your book for the last two days, and I'm so excited to be able to talk to you about it. And the front cover, I think, is beautiful, and it's so coded. Every time I look at this image, I I know that the downloads are happening in my brain. Did you know know that when you put this um, front cover together like this? Well, I sort of did. I... um I had a different cover that Inner Traditions was going to put on that book, and I was so upset <laughs> with them for the cover they had put they had planned for this book that I sent them to the website of this good friend of mine, Andre Balog, who does this beautiful sacred geometry art, and um, I just kept calling in the angels that they'd pick the one that I liked the best, and it was one of the three that I picked out. So I'm very happy. Oh, great. So we had you on, what, about a year ago or so? Yeah. Yeah, we were talking about, uh, I think we were talking about Be a Genie, but I'm not really sure right now. Yeah, I'm sure. sure we talked a, about lot the, of, a lot of yeah. people bought your book, and we hear a lot of conversation about your book at our Starseed Quest to let you know. Oh, good. Yeah. That's good to know. So tell us more about this new book called Waking Up in 5D. This is an exciting book, and I really hope that everyone uh, grabs a copy of it because it's probably the book you've been waiting for. So tell us what it's about and just give us a a thumbnail sketch of how this came about for you. Okay. Well, the book came about because of a number of things that were happening to me, and that includes... Uh, experiences with people where I found myself um, uh, uh, energetically riled. You know, like when somebody uh, says something that's inappropriate uh, or, you know, hurtful and you want to pull back from, uh, you know, the conversation, that's how I was feeling. But these were perfectly good words, perfectly normal words that people normally use. And so I started to analyze it, and all the words were polarity-based. You know, this is right, this is wrong, this is good, this is bad. And I began to realize that I was actually reacting because I was holding this 5D frequency so much that even words that would pull people down into polarity were 
uncomfortable for me energetically. So I began to keep a list, and that was the beginning of it. And then uh, the other thing that started to happen is I noticed that certain things happen in 5D that weren't happening in 3D. And some of those things include um, things disappearing, and then when you go to look for it, they're not there. Then you walk away without it. Maybe it's your sunglasses. And then you come back half an hour or so later with, when you're done with whatever it is you're doing. You go to put the sunglasses away, not remembering you have your spare. And there's the original pair right where you left them. And this started happening to me. And I started asking my students because I'm, I'm teaching a lot still in the public. And at the time, I was doing a different city every single weekend. And so I had a chance to ask people about their experiences. And everyone said the same thing. Oh, yeah, that's happening to me. My stuff's disappearing too. And then coming back. So uh, I began tracking this. And initially I I discovered that you could ask for it to come back. So if your stuff disappears, just ask for it to come back. Well, that was all well and good until one day I was riding in my car with my son. And my car started making a funny noise. And I remember saying, what's going on with the car? And as soon as I said that, out of my mouth came the answer. Well, that was not an answer I should have known. And I cracked up because I thought it was so funny that I would know that answer. So in meditation I asked, how did I know that? And the answer was, well, you asked what was going on with the car. You didn't say, why is it making the noise? Where is the noise coming from? You said, what? So then I began teaching people, you know what, there's only one question to ask, and it's what? Because all the other questions, who, when, where, why, or how, <coughs> excuse me, they all um, give you information so you can solve a problem. But what is completely open-ended, and if you're open to receive, it'll give you information you weren't expecting. So one day when something disappeared without even realizing I had switched, I said, what's going on? And I was told, Maureen, you put your, when you put your stuff down, you were in a higher dimension. And I realized if I was doing it, so was everybody else. So that was another big aha. We're all slipping into fifth dimension and then back out again. And that had never occurred to me. I thought, you know, once... First of all, when my stuff started disappearing, I thought, well, you know, it's like monkeys in space. We send the monkeys ahead, you know, see what will happen to them, and then we'll go. And, and so I thought my stuff was going ahead kind of as a practice because I knew we were all going to go fifth dimensional at some point. But to discover I had already been fifth dimensional, and so was everybody else because they were having the same experiences, was huge. And then there's one more that has to do with time, and that was the, like, pièce de résistance. I discovered that a lot of times when you're fifth dimensional, you actually hear or see before everyone around you. And the classic example is sitting in traffic. And let's say you're the third car back from the red light. The light changes, nobody moves. And you're looking around, and, and because you're in a good space and you're feeling yummy, you don't get upset, you're just watching and then everybody moves and you think to yourself boy they're slow registering that no you were in fifth and saw it ahead of everyone else wow this happens to so many people i know including myself (laughs) exactly and you know i was telling someone on the radio the other day 
And they said, this happens to him all the time. So when you see something or hear something that no one else is hearing and then you respond to it, that's another classic. Like I've actually had people say to me, Maureen, why did you hand me the phone? And I'll say, well, you told me you wanted to talk to that person. And they give me a funny look and they say, no, actually, I didn't. I thought it, but I didn't ask it. And I heard it like it was an out loud question. So you're finding out that that why brings on polarity uh, energy and that what doesn't. That's right. What is completely open-ended? Because when you say what's going on, you get the full answer. You know, I had a conversation with my um, former husband, uh, one of our, our son's father. And he said to me, Maureen, the kids tell you stuff. They don't tell me. And I said, well, what are we talking about here? And he said, well, you know, you knew about the big plan for the summer and he was going to go job share and live with his brother in his brother's apartment. And I said, well, what did you ask him? And he said to me, well, I asked him if he was going to take his job at the hardware store like he did last summer. And I said, well, you sent him the message that you wanted him to take the job at the hardware store for the summer. I just asked him, do you make, did, what are your plans for the summer? And it was completely open-ended. And so he told me the whole story. And that, even with human nature, when you give them the what question, you're not sending any message of approval or disapproval. You're just saying, I'm open. Hit me. Wow. This is, this is a huge revelation, just about the word what. Wow. It surely I love it. is. Yeah. So give us and some so, more examples. You have so many funny stories in your book. Um, I especially laughed at the, at the mommy clause. Could you describe the mommy clause to to our audience? Oh, yes, yes. One of my clients was in a situation where her son had had, um, I'll call it a, a probably a marijuana or some other drug-induced breakdown, and he was acting out pretty pretty bad. And the parents showed up at the ER where the, where the kid was having this major meltdown, and the mom like tuned into what was what's going on you know she starts asking that question what's going on and she gets a very clear picture that there's a entity a discarnate entity that doesn't belong that's got an agenda of fierceness and of ugliness and so she says to uh the doctor can i please have a moment with my son the doctor says sure so everybody leaves the room and she gets fierce she gets in the face of her son and she speaks directly to this entity and she says i know you're in there I know what you're doing, and you may think that you have some kind of contract that you can keep with my son, but I got news for you. You just met the mommy, and the mommy clause says I get to call you out, and you're banished, you're out of here, get that, you know what, out. And boom, her son immediately shifted. There was a huge shift in the energy in the room. The son was like super normal, and they called the doctor back in, and they let him out of the hospital because they were going to admit him to a no telling what would have happened to him if she hadn't done that exactly exactly or what kind of chaos that clinic would have caused yeah the mommy clause the mommy clause (laughs) you wrote the mommy clause I just had to giggle (laughs) yeah and you know what every mother who has encountered a situation with your kid 
you have legally, by cosmic law, till they're age 33 to invoke the mommy clause. And what that means is you have the right and the energetic force within you to clean up anything and to call it out. And furthermore, because the entities are not allowed to be here anyway, uh, anybody can call out anyone's uh, garbagey entities as long as you do it with a certainty and a fierceness. You know, we all have the power within us. A lot of people prefer to um, use the name of Jesus or God or Archangel Michael. I happen to use Archangel Michael, and I always invoke Archangel Michael to escort these energies to a place of evolution or dissolution so that they can either continue their own process or they get, you know, uh, connected back to source and just dissolve in, in the great energy. But certainly... Um, we're way more powerful than we realize. And that's one of the things that I've really wanted to emphasize in this book to encourage people to realize that you as a star seed or as anyone on the planet, you have more power to command the world around you and to command your own space. But one of the ways we give it up is when we participate in mass consciousness. Now what that means is when you, um, you know, I have to have my morning coffee. That's a mass consciousness thing. Or I have to watch the evening news. That's a mass consciousness thing. Or I have to, um, you know, go to this big football game. Or we have to watch the Super Bowl or something like that. Those are all mass consciousness things that basically say I'm in, I'm subscribed. And then that allows mass consciousness to feed back to us. So the feed can go either way. We can either be feeding into mass consciousness or we can let mass consciousness feed to us. And when we feed directly to mass consciousness, we're in our power and we're helping create the solution. When mass consciousness is directly feeding to us, it's controlling us and we've lost our power. Well, that says a lot about what's happening now with the news and with Trump and with everything that's happening in Washington. (laughs) Wow. Well, you know, I, I listened to that latest, um, you know, report by uh, Anastasia, and I thought it was a great report. But I happen to believe that both Republicans and Democrats hate Trump enough that he's actually effective because he's standing up to the powers that were. And even though he's, you know, not a perfect guy, and even though he behaves a certain way that a lot of us dislike, in reality, he's aligned to no one, and that makes him dangerous to the powers that were. It makes him dangerous to anybody who wants to keep the status quo, and that's what this is about. Right now, the transfer of power from the mass consciousness to the individuals empowering each other is this 5D wake-up call. And as we step into our own power, we're not so impressed when someone takes it away from us. We're not so likely to subscribe. I mean, think about... You know, they say it's it's over 50% of the 20-somethings are getting their news from from Comedy Central's The Daily Show. What does that tell you? (laughs) Right. It tells you that they're disgusted with mainstream news. They don't trust the the stories that they're hearing, and, and with good reason. So... Part of the way we gain our power back is to learn 
and to understand when someone's telling us the truth and to help us to understand when we're not being told the truth or when we're being told a partial truth. In fact, I even say to people, you know what? I'm a spiritual teacher. I have very good intentions, and it is my intention to only teach you spiritual principles that are useful to you that will take you along your ascension. But you know what? Don't trust me. You need to learn how to connect with your divine self and know for certain that that's so. And if you hear me say something that doesn't resonate with you, you need to run that in your inner wisdom channel and decide, or your inner BS meter, whatever you want to call it. But if you're meditating regularly, if you're doing your spiritual work, you will start to notice when you hear something that just doesn't resonate. And the other thing is, the more we need to find fault with somebody else, and I'm not talking like in the political arena as much as I'm talking about, you know, your family, your friends, your coworkers. The more we feel that need, the more we need to look within because it's energetically a match for something we need to address in ourselves. And that's a very big aha for all of us. You know, a classic story for me was a woman who was in a study group with me and we were studying the Course in Miracles. And she pulled a card that said, stop lying. And, and we all looked at her. She was the sweetest, the kindest, nicest person you'd ever want to know. And I, I was shocked. But the next week she came back and she said, I found out that I was lying when my son asked if I would like to get up and make him a sandwich. He's in his 20s. He can make it himself. I found out that I was lying when my husband wanted to go to the movies and I said I'd go with the one he wanted. And she said, I realized all over the place that I was denying my own needs in order to meet them and that I wasn't doing anybody any favors because they thought I was in agreement with them. And once I began to speak up, they were fine with it. I just thought I needed to do that. And that's a woman who stepped into her power. So many people are like that, though. They want to they want to be liked and and, they, and they're people pleasers. They want to please the people, so they just agree with whatever happens. I see that so much of the time. Mm-hmm. Right, and we don't want to make waves because in a previous lifetime, maybe we were hung or drawn and quartered or punished in some way. So we have this like little blueprint that we're carrying that says, uh, you know, don't don't make any waves. You know what happened last time. But yeah. you know, here's the, here's some classic stuff in 3D versus 5D. In 3D, you know, when someone gets injured, we expect them to apologize. But in 5D, all you need to do is comfort. So instead of saying, oh, gosh, I'm sorry, my foot tripped you. I didn't realize my foot was sticking out in the aisle. You, you might say, are you okay? You don't have to, you know, look at the past and say you were bad or wrong. Instead, just try to hold space to fix it. Um, when uh, someone is hurt, you know, normally you have to have restitution. But today in 5D, what you need is acceptance, and that's huge. Because if we're not accepting ourselves, if we're not validating ourselves, how can we validate anyone else? And that's why we're always looking for restitution, because what we're really trying to do is validate our own energy, validate our own experiences. And that's what your work is all about, is helping the starseeds get validated. Yeah. I wanted to ask you the, the chapter that you wrote about time and how time works. Can you give us a little um, insight to how you wrote that chapter? Yes. Now, I have, uh, there's, there's a couple of things that I want to say about time, and these are big ahas for me. 
I went to music school. And when I went to music school, I had to sit in a big auditorium with a whole bunch of other candidates and take a music test where we actually took musical dictation. A guy sat at a piano, wrote, played a piece of music, and we, um, we did our uh, – um, I'm sorry, I, I just did a little mind part here. We did our uh, writing. And when I got tested, when the test came back, I actually asked, they asked me, why didn't you put a time signature in? And I remember thinking, time signature? What's time? And so I've always been a little bit unplugged from time. And the way that plays out is I don't need time. It needs me. But time is a construct. And I began to experience that time was this overlay that a lot of people experience and belong to, and yet we don't need to. Now, I recognize that time is an overlay that we all participate in, and that's a good thing. So at the same time, though, we can step out of time. So think about all your friends that are going to go to a a football game or a soccer match, and you're all going to go as a group and have a good time. But then all of a sudden you don't feel so good and you think, I better stay home. I need to rest. So you do. So you opt out in that moment. So the understanding that you could opt out is very powerful. And I began to explore what I might be able to do with time. And I knew that I could change time. And so I actually changed time in the sense that my experience of pulling myself out of the time continuum and plugging back in came from an event that occurred with one of my sons who was supposed to be on a bus to go to O'Hare Airport. (coughs) And the bus was 30 minutes from our house. And he caught that. And we did not wake up until the bus was supposed to leave the the train, the uh, bus depot. And I remember getting in the car and saying to my son, look, you know, I need to do something here with time. I want to know if you're on board. And he said, Mom, you got me this far. I'm not going to stand in the way. I'm, going to, I'm submitting all my power over to you. So I was running the energy from both of us, and I literally opened up that portal and pulled myself through it along with my son, and he ended up on that bus, and I did not have to drive to O'Hare that day. I've, I've had that happen I've, when I said to myself, oh, my goodness, if I don't get there in the next 10 minutes, they're going to close that, that door on that airplane. And somehow, some way, I always either jump the car or something happens to where I, I get there right on time. <laughs> it's the craziest That's thing. The it, yeah, it's crazy if we think that time is inflexible. But once we begin to realize time is not inflexible, and here's a classic example. Everybody has either had this experience or knows somebody who's had this experience where they were in a car accident and they started experiencing the event in slow motion. And we start to see slow motion. Well, if time can slow down, it can slow down for us. And then there's a great story uh, that I write about where um, I've seen people experience, uh, you know, time in slow motion for a particular event uh, where you could actually um, experience different aspects of time. You know, one time when I was in 
Egypt with a busload of people, and everyone fell asleep. And we had to go from one security point to another, and they were like three hours apart going across the desert. And we did it in an hour and a half. And when we arrived, the owner of the company whose bus we were in showed up, and he said, nobody but Greg Braden has ever done that before. And how do we do it? We just slipped through that time space portal. And, and think about this. This has happened to me where I was driving between cities, and I knew it was a five-hour drive, and I arrive in three hours. And lots of people have confirmed that they've done that, not just me. So that's how you know that time is flexible, and it is especially powerful when we get into a zone. And that zone could be unconditional love. It could be a zone with a purpose. It could be a zone with an outcome. And that's another thing. Why are people late? Why, and why do they get more late when they're late? And that's because they're projecting into the future. Oh, I'm going to be in trouble when I get there. My boss is going to kill me. I'm going to miss that phone call. Instead, like when you were projecting into the future, you were saying, that door is staying open for me. I'm on the plane. I'm making this connection. And everything works. Yeah. So, so have you experienced cool. time travel going into the future and, and seeing things and then bringing back the information? Yes, I have. And I'm here to report that there's more than one version of the future. And whenever you see something in the future, particularly if you see it, and this is, this is very important because your star seeds will have this happen. When you see something in the future, in your mind's eye, that you know is adverse, and I'll just leave it out there as adverse, you can go to the altar of your inner being and ask for that to be mitigated. Ask for that to be changed. Ask what you can do to transform it. Now, I'm not suggesting that you take that information and try to avoid it. That's using your will and your ego. I'm suggesting you take it to the altar first and do some kind of ceremony that acknowledges that that's the path you're headed towards. That's the experience that's most likely to happen. And then you honor that and say, but I'd really like something else. Can this be mitigated? And you take it as a request to the altar, acknowledging the lineup that you're headed for, and then saying, I'm going to jump tracks and here's how I want to do it. And you see a new outcome where that experience either doesn't exist or is mitigated. And I have some pretty great experiences in that regard where I've seen something that shouldn't happen, that I didn't want to happen, and I asked. And I've also seen experiences where people saw something in the future, like a woman who saw her husband getting in a car accident on his way to an event, so she decides to drive him instead. No accident. A week later, he drives himself somewhere else, and that's when he has the accident. So it's very important that we honor our role, that we honor what's going on, and not just, you know, to arbitrarily change it at the ego level, but to change it at all our levels. And why is it important to go to the altar within your heart? And that is because then you're lining up your mind, your spirit, and your soul, and you're being very clear that we're changing the combination of events, the combination lock, if you will, of mind, body, and spirit, and we're moving in a different direction, and we're going over here. So it sounds maybe uh, strong, 
But if you see something in the future that doesn't work for you and you don't want to go that route, whether you see someone dying or some adverse accident or anything like that, the way to mitigate it is to line up your soul, your mind, and your heart. And together, see yourself letting go of one and choosing another at that level. So all three layers are in sync as you change direction, not just changing your mind, you see. It's very interesting. What about timelines? I know there's, there's a lot of talk about different timelines for our planet. And waking up in 5D, one day we may find a whole different timeline because so many people have awoken to 5D and the star seeds are awake and functioning on the planet in high purpose. Do you think that might happen? I think it's already happening. And, and the evidence of that is, you know, when people get a phone call from a family member, a relative, or a close friend that used to make fun of your interest in astrology or used to make fun of your interest in um, spiritual matters or the chakras or whatever, and they call you up and they ask you a question that's related to the subject that you're especially interested and they treat it like it's a recipe, you know, like, well, how did you do this and this and what does this mean and blah, blah, blah. And you get off the phone and then later that day or maybe that evening when you're laying in bed, you're thinking, wait a minute, wait just a minute. That's not who they were. They actually woke up and were different. They literally jumped timelines. And what's interesting is when we line up the timelines, they actually do start to merge. And we're actually bringing some of the various branches various expressions of ourselves back into alignment. And one of the ways we do that is we revisit painful experiences, but they're no longer painful. We're just looking at them going, well, whatever. Or I've had the experience where I relayed a painful experience, and I thought later, wait a minute, the version I told wasn't as painful as I remember it. And that's immediately when I allowed those two timelines to collapse into one. And then that was able to merge into my current life stream because I didn't have to hold any energy on it. Because a lot of times when we have painful experiences, the reason we're holding energy is because we haven't forgiven the perpetrator. We haven't forgiven the person that caused our discomfort or our pain. One of the statements that I use with what you just said was, you should have had me when I cared, and that takes care of that. (laughs) Not only that, But what if you decide that that was then and this is now and it doesn't matter? Right. Because because when you when you when a person says you should have had me when I cared, it's a great release for sure because it unhooks you from needing to be acknowledged. Right. And it's and it and it releases me from any emotional debris. Because caring isn't there anymore like I used to care. It's like I used to run on a whole different emotional frequency, but now I don't run on that emotional frequency, and that's why I can say you should have had me when I cared. That's cool. There's a whole matrix that I I have in my mind when I say that. (laughs) That's fabulous because it's funny. One of the things that I say to people is in 5D you don't care about anything. You don't care about anything or anyone in a way that puts them first and you second. You yeah, only there you go. care about mutual benefit. Yeah. And so you literally don't care about anything 
to the degree that it puts you in jeopardy. Right. Yep. I totally get that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and one of the things that puts people in this, you know, this big matrix of the matrix, you know, the mass consciousness stuff, is this forced energy of I have to. And so I always teach people, decide to banish have to from your vocabulary. Banish it because nobody has to anything, especially in America. You only have to because you believe there's some overpowering energy over you. And once you unhook from that possibility, then it's really a choice, or I prefer, it pleases me. Instead of I have to pick up the kids at daycare, I'm going to go get my kids in daycare. They love it when I'm on time, or I love it when I'm on time. I don't get a fee, you know. You don't have to say, as I'm saying now, you don't have to. You're not forced. There's no one over you forcing you to do that. It's just that you don't want the consequences. So just name the consequences instead of naming the have to. Um, Another so, phrase that I that 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 made me think of is it was meant to be. That gets me so riled sometimes when I hear a person say that. Too. I go, oh my goodness! Me too. Locked into me that too. concept. How are they going to ever get out of it? That's right. That's right. That's right. And and the problem with it's meant to be is to imply that there's some force over us making the decisions, and we're making the decisions. And right. the minute we decide we're no longer a party to that stuff, we're clear. We're free and clear. It's amazing. So it, it takes us a while to get all the filters out of our brain that's been that's been running our life, you know, different phrases, different words that were all matched to polarity. And that's what you really talk about in this book is how you step out of polarity into a new way of being. It's not about exactly. thinking. It's about being. Well, and, but see, the being is both thinking and feeling merged. See, we've gone from a very thinking world and a very linear way of looking at things, and then we tried to move into heart-centeredness, and that's working, but then the people who are completely heart-centered are going to be walked all over, the, you know, people walk all over them. But what I say is it's a dance, and the mind contributes, but the heart rules. So, you know, when any dance, there's a leader and a follower, but they both have to be in sync. They have to be matched. So go ahead and do your mind stuff and then move into your heart and see where it takes you. Yeah. Yeah. I also noticed that you, you talk about sacred geometry a lot in the book and the flower of life. Give us a little hit on how this works for you. Well, first of all, I think that sacred geometry represents the keys to the kingdom. So when we use sacred geometry of any kind, whenever we're using these beautiful shapes, the beautiful um, geometry that is symmetrical and represents some of those key elements in mathematics, we're actually tuning ourselves to our divine blueprint. And what that does is allows us to find our way back to center very quickly. When I, um, when I was in my 40s, I was wearing bifocals, and I truly believed that it was the use of sacred geometry and the use of the Merkaba meditation that made it possible for me to not use them anymore. So 
many years later, I'm not using bifocals at all, and my eyes are in better shape than they were when I was that age. So it's quite astounding to me. But it brings us back to our divine blueprints, our divine matrix, and that changes everything. So the original Merkaba that I taught for 20 years gave me the ability to be fifth dimensional far earlier than normal. And I tell people that that was the original fifth dimensional uniform. You put that on and you become fifth dimensional, even if you don't know what you're doing. And through that process, I began to learn and understand what being fifth dimensional was all about. And like in the new, in the new book in waking up in 5d, I've actually got a new Merkaba, a fifth dimensional Merkaba that takes the chakras to a higher level it activates a brand new etheric body above us that has access to the cosmos so that we can now be plugged in to other versions of ourselves in other realities, which has never occurred to people. You know, uh, here I am sitting here going, oh, my God, there's another version of me. I will tell you that when I first started writing books, I used to talk myself into, you know, sitting down and writing by telling myself, well, there's probably another version of me that's working on a book too. I want to be first published. And, you know, it wasn't until years later that it occurred to me, maybe the whole reason I wanted to write a book is because another version of me is already published. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, you know, who am I to be the lead dog here? Maybe there is a lead dog, but it wasn't me. And then the other part of it is if there's another version of me that knows more, is smarter, is a higher dimensional version of me, what about the possibility of, me accessing that because it's me and using that to be smarter, more clever, more connected than before. And that's one of the tools I started using. I started calling in the higher versions of me and anchoring them into me here in 3D. And I began using this meditation that I wrote called the Crystal Elohim, which is a freebie with the book. So, you know, anybody who buys this book, Waking Up in 5D, Uh, In the back of the book, there's a resource page, and it gives you a web address where you can download all these things for free. And one of them is that Crystal Elohim Meditation, which is just remarkable to activate the crystalline templates and to access other versions of yourself. And there's a a cut on that, um, there's a track on the CD that makes me think of contact, where Jodie Foster is standing at the ocean, and she's like, connecting with all this information at the same time that she's starting to come back into her body and not realizing that she's still out there. And it's like that. It's like, wouldn't it be something to wake up, as you described in the question you just asked me, wake up and already be 5D and already be plugged in and, and on board. And, and there's a version of you that's already doing that. All we're going to do is switch into that. We've got some very exciting times ahead of us, that's for sure. You know, when I when I think about the the star seeds waking up, I really kind of go to December twentieth of twenty twelve, when we were all looking at the Mayan calendar, thinking something really exotic was going to happen on the planet. But what I was really tracking afterwards was that some kind of energy happened in the DNA and people in the star seeds, and they it was like a, a band aid was jerked off their third eye, and they went, "Wee! What's happened here?" And they they started migrating and 
and divorcing and getting married and having kids and changing their lives and people were stepping out of corporate America and, and becoming healers overnight. That's what I got to see about 2012. How about you? And I agree that 2012 was a giant activation. And even though we were looking for evidence of it in a very 3D way, the fact is that because we were expecting it, we were literally giving permission for that change to take place in us in a way that we needed. We just didn't know before we did it that that's what we needed. As you say, the band-aid got jerked off, and we're going, oh, wow. <clears throat> so I think that the, the activations actually occurred by our choice because there were so many souls on board, ready and willing and able. And so the universe said, all right, let's do this thing. And everybody got this big shift. Yeah. I also noticed on this last eclipse on August 21st, that it not only just slammed the door shut on the last 19 years, because it's a 19-year pattern, but it was super glued. It's like if you try to go back and and mess with anything that you did 19 years ago, it's like getting your little hands slapped. It's like, don't go there. Don't look in the past. Yes. You've got to keep looking forward, because that's gone. It's super glued shut, so don't even look at it anymore. That's what I'm getting. Yes, yes. and this is very, very true, and it's true in a lot of cases with people that have come in as masters and they no longer need to um, they no longer need to be part of some older system or some history because it's everything is brand new and we've literally made that 90 degree turn and there is no looking back it doesn't exist for us to look back as you say the door's been closed i've even had people who said to me, why can't I see my past lives? And in the Akashic Records, the answer is always the same. You don't see your past lives. They're not available to you because they're locked. And they're locked so that you don't go in there and mess around. It's a, You're already done. You've already done that work. You're not going to do it again. And you don't need to. Just pull in what you need now. And like a good military uh, person, if you get an assignment, and you need something, you requisition it. So I encourage you, all the listeners, if you, if you feel like you're supposed to do something and you don't think you have what you need to get it, start asking for the resources. Start saying, look, I need to have a session with Lavendar. I need to do this. I need to do that. I need the resources to make this happen. Let's see it happen. And watch how things shift just because you're willing. I don't think so many people understand how powerful they are with with their intention and with their words now. A lot of star seeds that, that come to me, they seem to um, be willing to jump, and yet they don't know where they're jumping to. And yet their their the willingness takes them there. That's what I'm finding. Yes. And, oh, by the way, leave your baggage at the cliff because you don't need it on the other side. You're not going to need it on the other side, and, and it's only going to weigh you down and keep you from making that leap that you need to make. That's that's like that song. I can't remember who's, who who wrote it now, but they talked about a hearse having a, a carriage, a luggage carriage on top of the, the hearse. It's no such thing. 
<laughs> I don't you ever recall hearing a song like that, but that's very cool. Yeah, it's a very, it's, very. Yeah, cool. If I could interject, it, it's a Don Henley song. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, you spend right. your whole life stacking it up there, and you stacks and stacks and stacks of money. But Gabriel comes, taps you on the shoulder, and you don't see no hearses with luggage racks. That's the quote. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, that's so, great. Yeah. So. You travel now all over the world, and, and you're leading tours. Do you have any tours coming up to some sacred sites? You know, right now I don't, and it's mostly because I'm focusing all my attention on getting the word out on this book so that people have this as a tool. And I'd like to give some tools to people so that they can take, have a big takeaway from our call, from our radio show here, And this is something you've heard me say before, but I really want to emphasize heaven is 5D. So when you ask for a day of heaven on earth, you're literally saying, I'm ready for 5D. So I always say, ask for a day of heaven on earth for you and everyone you come in contact with. I do have classes that I am teaching in New York City. I'm teaching a class, um, I believe it's on the 19th of of, uh, November in Manhattan, and that is a fundraiser for the Edgar Casey Center of New York. So if you feel like coming into the city, it's going to be an awesome class. It's on Pleiadian lineup, too. That's when the Pleiadian lineup is, from the 15th to the 20th. So, so all the Pleiadian energies will be alive and well supporting you that day. Well, that's pretty interesting that we picked. That's the day that we picked for the, this event, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I had an experience where I felt where there was a Pleiadian starship above my hotel room at noon, 12 hours before the eclipse, because I was in China at the time of that eclipse. And I was telling my students that when there's an eclipse like that, there can also be a portal and energies can get in that shouldn't be coming in. So we put in an energetic field, a ring pass knot, to seal the edges of that off, and the Pleiadian starship came in with a very clear message for those students and how important that work was and how valuable it was. And they weren't just, you know, caught up in that, uh, that uh, energy because, of course, it was this eclipse that was visible across the U.S., and everyone was all excited and open and loving and in a great space, but, you know, we didn't want any surprises either. Well, you know, we had our Starseed Quest in Arkansas, uh, and right after, I mean, we, we finished at 1 o'clock, and then we went out to um, observe the eclipse, and people would take their phones and start s- snapping pictures, you know, at the sun. We got a picture of something that was so bizarre. It was the bottom of a spaceship in hieroglyphics. <laughs> yeah, we got it. Wow. Yeah, she just snapped it. it. We were standing over the lake where there's an underground base, and she uh-huh. snapped this this picture and showed it to us, and there it was, hieroglyphics in in writing, like you know, like like a scroll of writing. Interesting. At the moment of the eclipse, you, yeah, it's wow, that was pretty powerful for our starseed group to see. Did it get posted anywhere? I, you know, I I don't think. Well, I think that it's kind of within our group, and I think it, it'll probably go out 
to the world. I think mm-hmm. that we just kind of kept it mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, some of these things I get told, stop taking pictures of the, of us. You don't need to do that. And that, that always strikes me funny because I didn't realize I was being that obvious, but energetically I was, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I'm looking at the time, and um, I'd like to pass you over to my co-host, Arielle, and the switchboard. I know that we have probably several people that have been reading your books and that knew you were coming on, so maybe they're going to be on the switchboard wanting to talk to you. So are you willing to do that now? I am. I'm a little concerned also about the time because I don't know um, I don't know how long we're going to go. Just a second here. Let me see if I have availability. I think I'm okay for a few, at least a little bit, maybe five minutes or so, five or 20. Depends. We'll just see how we do. And anything that you want to come back and tell us at any time, if you want to promote a, a, a trip or tell us something, you're, you're always welcome to come on for five or ten minutes, even if we have another guest. And and then when you want to come on for the full time, just let us know because we would love to have you because you're you're part Thank of you. our group and we know it. Thank you so much. I am so touched, Lavender. And so back to I you, Ariel. Truly enjoyed. Thank you okay. so much. Well, we just yeah we love having you on and and uh, because you're just you're you're part of the family here. So um, we actually have a caller that's been waiting. Uh, to speak with you. So um, just uh, before I, I pick up your um, uh, microphone, William, I just want to tell other people who are um, on the switchboard, if you've already called in and you have a question or comment for Maureen, you um, just press 1 and then we'll know that you want to come on the air. If you're listening on the computer, then pick up the phone and dial 917-889-8292 and then once you're in, press 1. And um, Kathy and Fiona will help you get through the um, the queue and on the air. So um, now we are going to be talking to William first. Let me get your mic open first. Okay, William, you are on the air with Maureen St. Germain. Go ahead with your question. Yeah, hi, Maureen. How you doing? Good. 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 What's your question? Good. Um, um, well, it, it was more of just a um, a recognition and, and an understanding. Um, I've been working with uh, mental handicap and um, psychiatric patients for about 20 years, and I teach mindfulness and present moment awareness. And, um, you know, I try to teach about the present moment. And I think a lot of the people um, from from my understanding, a lot of the people experience what we consider pain to me, is no more than judgment. Um, we get caught in um, seeing the world in the good, bad, right, wrong. I like it, I don't like it. And um, I think that the world is based on what we need, not what we want. And so it, it never corresponds in what, like a three-dimensional world. Um, it's not going to be what we need. So it isn't long before we say it's not good, it's not fair, it's not right, and I don't like it. We start to experience the pain. And then the pain that we don't accept um, become suffering, which I just mm-hmm. consider suffering. Identification. Identification right. as whatever it is that you're suffering as yourself, like the fear or the worry or the anxiety or the anger, you know, and then you become that. So our thoughts and our words uh, create our reality, you know, and I think that people, 
when they're ready to wake up, they wake up from it, but it's a natural progression, I feel, for people to go through judgment and then from judgment to suffering and then work their way back up, you know, to notice their judgment and then to move into noticing their choices and to learn to um, accept the moment and understanding that we're living really totally in a present moment at all times. And that is the 5D expression, the ever-present now, because 3D does include the past, and it does include some projections of the future. All fear and worry is either a projection of the future, that's the fear, and the worry is the judgment of the past. And I thought it was very interesting because when you said, you know, all pain is, is judgment, you're absolutely right because we're judging they shouldn't have done that. If it were me, I wouldn't have done that. So we're really judging ourselves. And we're looking at them saying, well, that's me, and I wouldn't do that. Therefore, they suffer. So it's brilliant, totally brilliant. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. And and I've also experienced many things that you're talking about. Uh, I was looking for a necklace one time and, uh, you know, looking all over the place, all over my bed and all over my room. I went downstairs looking all over, and then when I came back up, it was on my pillow. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, exactly. A lot of that. And that's, yeah, and that's just shifting from a place of where is it to, yeah. okay, whatever. Yeah. And, and then another thing that I noticed is that a lot of times I ask for alternative possibilities, and they, they just kind of magically happen. I mean, almost like I think it. Like, okay, you know, this is what's happening, but, you know, I'd rather this happen. And I start to ask, like, for higher power to come through and to, and to guide my way. And I just kind of feel like uh, everything just kind of opens up and it flows in this new direction. Exactly. Because what you did is you dialed in and then you aligned all three areas, the physical, the mental, and the emotional. Yeah. And the, your spirit side and that alignment with the divine and the release, the release of attachment opens up a new solution. So you're doing the same thing, whether you have a premonition or just a feeling that you don't like the way things are coming down, to let them shift yeah. and go in a new direction. Totally awesome. Yeah. So I want to I thank you. I've been, I've been reading some of your books um, back, you know, the Genie book, and then I just recently I picked up uh, the 5D book a little while back, and I just uh, started reading that too, and it corresponds with a lot of my ideas also, and I, I'm sure that everybody who starts to wake up to the um, to the stage of acceptance, you start to see more and more um, that there's a practice involved where, you know, if you move too fast or too slow, you start to activate your mind and, you know what I mean, and you move away from the heart. And I kind of feel like, you know, just like the same thing, like if you're in traffic, and you're, uh, you know, you're, you're there, so you accept that you're there and create tension and stress. But you start worrying about, you know, where you need to go or where, you know, you're going to be late, and then all of a sudden the, the stress factor comes in. So I'm, I'm noticing It's all the coming skills. from the eternal now. At 5D, yeah. there is only the now, and that's why right. it works so well for you. Yeah, so I've been sharing this with kids, um, usually between 12 and 18, sometimes adults, and sometimes older, Um, but I also find that uh, you can't change the mind with the mind, and a lot of times as the kids are learning more knowledge of the 5D and they're learning about choice and acceptance, 
the mind starts to kind of pick up again and it starts to get to the point where it doesn't really want the higher energy because that higher energy actually is reducing their identification of who they are. And so that no, it's holding I think on it's this way. That, that last grasp. I think it's this way. I think it's yeah. this way. I think you're on to something. But when people yeah. ask and they are start to show interest, they've opened their yeah. mind. And it is not for you to tell them anything at that point. The thing for you to do is to give them a very brief, uh, short, uh, not detailed answer. Like, I notice you always are in a good place, um, but you seemed especially happy this weekend. And your response is, yeah, I went to a great workshop this weekend. Now, where do you want to go for dinner? Because when you do that, when you answer them briefly and then mm-hmm. change the subject, you are honoring their curiosity, which is the mind. And if you deliberately don't tell them anything more, what happens is the mind processes and the heart opens. If you push it and try to push it through the mind, it gets stuck. So the key for anybody who's willing to share their information, to share their knowledge and understanding, is to not jump at the first opportunity of interest but to dismiss it politely and move on and let them come back to you because once their heart is open, they will be taking it like mother's milk. And that's the key for you to not use your mind to decide, oh, they're ready because they're asking a question, but to be patient and say, no, only their mind is open. I got to wait till their heart is open too. And how do you know their heart is open? They ask a second time and it can be anywhere from two minutes to two years you know that I, I i do do that and i've noticed that more and more lately um because see a lot of the patients they're only there for a couple of weeks and so i have to wait for them first to arrive to get past the initial trauma or the initial pain that they're experiencing because they're they don't want to really be in the hospital locked a locked facility and then once mm. they start to get a little more comfortable with the other uh peers and they become comfortable with the staff then I approach them, and I usually approach them with the uh, a positive affirmation and an aspect of um, you know of seeing themselves more in a positive way versus a negative way, and then also knowing that their thoughts are creating. And then I and I say, here, take a look at this, and if you, if it shows some interest and you you like what it says, then you know I'll talk to you a little more tomorrow. And I'll notice uh, some of the people will get really excited about learning about it, and then um, they just lose interest like their mind uh, kind of caught up in make them come back to you make them come back to you and ask the angels to do the legwork not you ask the angels to after you mention it if they show any and you can say you know if you're interested let me know um we can talk about this again and then let it go you get your ego out of it and get your desire for them out of it because even your ego is running in that instance and instead, after you roll it out, then back off and completely turn it over to the angels. All right, if this guy's supposed to get it, he's going to come back to me, and you guys are going to have to do something because I'm not going to say another word unless they come back to me. And force yourself to not yeah. do that because you're actually slowing it down. They're like gonna, it's like force-feeding a baby. You know what happens when you force-feed a baby? Yeah, they spit it back out. That's right. right. Yeah. But if you give them one spoonful and you wait yeah. until they open their mouth a second time, they'll no. take it. 
yeah, intuitively that I've been picking up on that more and more. I've been going, you know, even though I only have two weeks. Well, make it your I'll, rule. Make it your rule. That's how you keep your own ego in check because you make it your rule. I'm not going to tell anything else, no matter what. Even if they right. seem interested, make them ask you. Because if they don't ask you, they will not hear it and they will throw it up. And they will right. throw so it at you. Then it'll come from the heart. And, right? Then right. it'll come from the heart. And then their heart is going to be open to receive information. Yep. If it comes from their Alrighty. mind, they're just taking the knowledge, but they're not really, they're not really uh, taking it in. Well, I would say that the facility that you work at is lucky to have you. And fortunate yeah. is probably the better word. And you mm-hmm. keep up doing the good work. You're doing a great job. And you're doing a great job for all the starseeds because so many starseeds are druggies. Why? Because yeah. repetition is part of their matrix and who they are. And the desire to have repeatable experiences, and that's what happens with people who get hooked on drugs, this repeatable experience. The angel energy, this angel energy is always repeating God's love. So they're natural repeaters which is why they're gravitated towards repeating things. So it's mm. wise to know that you're really working with angels in disguise. Yeah, true. Well, you know, my intuition is saying that there's somebody out there who would like to talk to you also, and I just want to say thank you, and, and I'm still continuing to uh, grow, and I'm, I'm going to put a course out, and to be also it's called Waking Up, but it's not called Waking Up in 5D. Um, but I guess that's uh, the title that kind of also came to me. It's going to be more about simplicity. And, um, Sounds good. But it's all, it's all part of the same picture, and I appreciate uh, what you're doing, and, um, and, I, and I'm glad that I have somebody to listen to that I can continue to, uh, you know, to learn and grow. Sounds good. Blessings to Thank you. you. Bye-bye. Peace. Great. Well, thanks for calling in, William. You're Bye-bye. Welcome. Okay, um, if anyone else has a a comment or question, if you're already on the switchboard, just press 1. And if you're listening on the computer, then dial 917-889-8292, and then once you're in, press 1. And um, I'm I'm going to maybe um, ask you a couple questions myself. because this, I mean, you are just so on it. I mean, you are so on the beam. Um, but I, I just want to ask you, is it is it possible or do you think that everyone will eventually live in the fifth dimension? Yes, I think everyone's going to live in the fifth dimension. And imagine that we're all getting on the teeter-totter. And sooner or later it's going to flip. And everybody who's hanging out on the, on the other side, they're just going to end up on our side anyway, uh, whether they want to or not. <laughs> yeah. oh, that, that reminds me of uh, one, another one of, we call them lavendarisms. You can come now or you can come later, but you are coming. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And do you, you see know, some of the... Um, experiences that people have that um, that have experienced 5D, um, how do you identify the, you know, um, 
because people might think that they are in in the you know in between or that they haven't made the jump yet um or that they they just haven't quite you know had the aha moment but can you give some some common scenarios that would demonstrate to people that they are um moving into that fifth dimension well i'd like to make a metaphor because i think it's really helpful when one of my sons as a teenager did something really wonderful and of my four sons this was the son that caused me to to think the most and to work the hardest because he was fearless and always pulling stuff so i'm sharing with my mother how pleased i am that i'm seeing this maturity and she said to me well honey kids don't grow up in a straight line and i was so young and so naive i was shocked and I said what does this mean what are we talking about here and she says well you know as soon as they do something really mature they usually follow it with something really stupid and that's (laughs) us okay that's us so when you have that 5D moment you're in a place of bliss you're in a place of allowing you're in a place of unconditional love you're in a place of generosity you're in a place of compassion. You're in a place of concern for others, but not to the detriment of yourself. And that place, that yummy place, is, is so special and so profound that when you're in it, all you can do is enjoy it. And it isn't until you slide out of it that you realize, oh, I was in such a great mood. Look what happened. Now, how do you get thrown out of it? And The biggest way I know is a loud sound or a obnoxious something or other that pushes your buttons. Maybe somebody says something on a subject area that you haven't quite resolved yet. You haven't accepted about yourself. And so that might push you back into 3D. But even once you've done your work, people can't push you out of 3D, out of 5D just by their remarks because you'll laugh at it. You'll go, oh, that's nothing, you know, it's fine. Um, so you're not put in that zone of not being loving. And it is only when you slip out of it that it is recognizable to you. So for all of our listeners, we've all had those moments. It might be a piece of music that puts us in there. It might be a wonderful relationship that puts us there. It might be a production like a theater production or uh, some event that we went to that just leaves us in this euphoric, happy state could be a walk in the garden. In fact, that's one of my favorite ways to get into a euphoric state or going to the ocean. And that connection with the divine is so powerful that when you're in it, you don't know you're in it. And that's how powerful it is. It is all immersing. And it is, an o- it is only when you slipped out of it that you realize, oh, that was what that was. That was fifth dimension. And so now as you reflect on some of your experiences, you can know that we're all going into fifth dimension and then sliding back and going into the fifth dimension and sliding back. And we're staying there longer and longer because we can. And that's why the book was written, so that you wouldn't have to slip back as often, that you could actually be proactive. You could be ahead of the curve. And how you be ahead of the curve is you step out of the patterns that you normally use. Like we have all kinds of language that we like to use, 
But what if we arbitrarily banish certain ways of speaking from our language? That would help us stay 5D longer because we wouldn't default into something that we're accustomed to. We would be in that proactive state where we have a new word. So instead of saying something is good or bad, we say, oh, that's a match for me. I like it. And you're not labeling it in a polarity way. So it keeps you in 5D. That's a match. And there's joy when you hear that. And that energy then is contagious. And, you know, uh, uh, one of the best examples has to do with a woman who I uh, went, did I tell the story about the restaurant where I sat down and the lady asked me that I had so many helpers, you know, four different waiters all helped me. And at the end of it, I, I, uh, I finished my order and, the lady sitting next to me said, you know, nobody talked to me when I sat down. Nobody helped me place my order. Nobody was worried that my order went through. You had all this help. And I smiled at her and I said, you know, that wasn't my experience. I'm so surprised. And she said, nobody helped me at all. And I said, you know, that so wasn't my experience. And she said, I know, I saw everything. And I, I said, well, do you want to know my secret? And she said, yeah. And I said, I ask for a day of heaven on earth for me and everyone I come in contact with, and so can you. She said, let me try that. And I said, yeah, you'll be surprised. And, and the other thing I tell people is, you know, when you wake up in, or when you go to bed at night, just say, I'm waking up in 5D. If I'm going to wake up, I'm waking up in 5D. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, people don't realize how powerful their words are. You know, mm-hmm. I mean... When I when I hear people, I mean, just casually, it's like, oh, oh, this is killing me. It's like, don't say that, <laughs> don't say that, you know. Yeah. Um, well, because when people you, do that, you can't tell them don't say that, and I totally agree with you. You can't say that, but what you can say is, really, I like things to make me live, or, you know, you call them out in a way that's kind of funny, like, oh, that's to live for in my world. And you antidote it right on the spot. So you're giving them a tool. Right. You know? I like this yeah. dessert is, you know, to live for. And I won't even say that other stuff anymore. I'll just say, well, that's dessert to live for if you're going to do it. Um, right. Yeah. Right. And those phrases, by the way, pull you into mass consciousness, and they send that energy, that that emotional energy that's not useful. It It can be, you know, consumed and cause other problems so the star seeds are so special that their energy is very important and needs to be garnered and treated with great respect so we've got to use powerful words that empower us and that keeps the boogeyman away (laughs) (laughs) I like that we have one more caller with a question. Can you handle one more question? Um, oh, sure. Oh, oh my goodness, we got we've got two more callers, and I'm not quite sure if we're going to get to both of you, but uh, we'll take the person who has been waiting the longest, and you will be speaking to Lola. Okay. Okay, Lola. Hi. You are on the air with Maureen Saint Germain. Hi, Hi Lola. thank you for taking my call. So, what's going on? Go ahead. How can we help you? So. Um, I think my third eye is opening, and for quite some time I've been seeing this uh, white light with 
irregular shape, mostly a butterfly moving around, and I'm not scared. And then um, I had an outer body experience. All of a sudden, what I was like almost falling asleep, um, everything was turning around, and I looked up, and I saw this angelic being. And then it switched, and then I saw this uh, a kind of like uh, something wearing a long dress, and then I saw other people, and I was so in awe, but not scared. I rushed into them, and I think because uh, I rushed so fast, I came back into my body again. And again, um, after quite some time, um, while I switched around, I felt my body locking down, and then I started moving out of my body, and I shoot up to the sky. And then I was kind of seeing a neighborhood I was not familiar with it, uh, but I was kind of roaming around. And this is my first experience. And I know uh, things are shifting in my life. Um, I don't know where it's going, but, you know, I resigned recently from my, uh, from my job, which is a tech job, but I know it's not my path. That's what I feel. So all these changes are happening in my life, and I was hoping to get some advice from you to how to uh, embrace it and explore it, I would say, properly. Um, a couple of things I would recommend. Are you doing any meditating mm-hmm. at all? No meditation. It's more of a prayer and calling okay. on angels so, and guides. Okay. Well, it's good that you're calling on the angels and the guides, but take time to learn how to meditate or take time mm-hmm. to do some meditations, you know, some Guided meditations, I have lots of them on my website. I have plenty of them that are free if you want to start out with something inexpensive. And also if you get the book, Waking Up in 5D, there's lots of, there's quite a few free meditations that are included in the book. And these are meditations that I've been selling for years, so they're high quality and, and very valuable. And then, in addition, you need to journal. So if you have not yet written out this experience that you had, you need to do that. And then yeah, I have. Mm-hmm. you can... You have written it out. Okay. And then another yes. tool you can do is learn how to open up the Akashic Records because that will help you uh, begin to understand what's really happening and how things are going. Uh, and that's very, very useful. Um, how do I open so you, up the Akashic Records? Well, there's, there's steps to take. I mean, I couldn't possibly tell you on the phone. But yeah. <laughs> um, certainly, you know, there's classes you can take. I offer online courses. There's lots of other teachers who do as well. And um, there's also books you could buy if you wanted to learn that way. Um, but find a way that appeals to you that you're attracted to and, you know, check in with your guidance and see, is this the one for me? And mm-hmm. you will find that that's a very useful tool. And then finally, I would highly recommend you learn how to connect with your higher self so you can begin to interpret your own experiences in a very solid way. And I have um, a protocol to connect with your higher self in the book, Waking Up in 5D. Actually, I put it in all my books that have that kind of information so that you could learn and understand what that means and how to have 100% accuracy. Because right now you're getting information, but you're only Mm -hmm. able to filter it through what you know. And when you have a higher self connection, it starts to give you information that you didn't know you could know, and that's the difference. So I would highly recommend, you know, exploring some of those powerful tools that give you uh, like the, the code, think of a combination lock. You need to line up your mind and your heart and your spirit. And when you get all three lined up and in sync, 
then information flows, and then you can make sense of it. When, you're, when your mind is open, certain information comes in. When your heart is open, other information comes in. But when you get them all lined up, that's when you have, you're in control. The whole consciousness is in control and can interpret it for your highest and best good. And it sounds like okay. you're off to a great start, Lola, truly. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, great. Thanks for calling in, Lola. And uh, do pick up a copy of Maureen's book. It has a lot of techniques for you um, to explore. I will. Thank you. Okay. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. Well, is are you out of time, Maureen? Um, it looks like I'm okay for the moment. If if our next caller doesn't mind it being a little bit on the short side, let's do it. Okay. Um, oh, well, Wendy, if you're still listening, um, apparently it was she, she hung up because I said that we might not have time to get to um, uh-huh, the second caller. So... Uh, how I mean, people can go to your website, MaureenStGermain.com, and mm-hmm. everything that you've got, everything that everything is on that one site. Um, so they can they can contact you. Do you do private sessions? I do. I have private sessions that I uh, do with people, and they can easily um, sign up online and pick their appointment time, and everything's good. Um, I also. Uh, teach classes online. I'm also going to be offering a coursework where people can be part of the group of people that are beginning to understand and work with the 5D energies. And that's going to meet once a month and it's um, going to be a lot of fun. If you're not on my mailing list, you will not have seen that. So be sure to go out to my website and sign up for my mailing list so that you can get uh, these announcements of these events that are occurring and the once-a-month call for the 5D uh, training program is uh, going to be a ton of fun because we're going to really focus on what's going on for people and what's working and all of that. So it's a really wonderful uh, program. And I also would like to announce that I do have a training program for a year that is available for people who are interested in diving deep and going for a full year with me. And that training program is called the Ascension Institute. And then I also have uh, another level of online training that people can take where they have time with me and the coursework that we offer, and they can really get up to speed on a lot of things by listening to the discussions and the uh, exploration of understanding that is readily available. So I'm looking forward to being part of your life as you, are, you, our listener, explore where you want to go next. Oh, this is great. And we just, we so support your work. Um, you're in alignment with everything that we, um, that we try to do. And uh, we're just so glad that you're on the planet. Thank you. And I feel the same way about you guys. And I feel like Lavendar is part of my soul family. And just like everyone else, when you find Lavendar, you feel like, ah, finally I've come home. And certainly I want to thank all of of the team that has come around Lavendar to support her, you, Ariel, as well as 
Anastasia and Kathy and Fiona in the back. Bravo. You guys rock. It's so cool to have such a great team, you know. And I want to put my vote in for that planet or whatever it is <laughs> and call it Anastasia because I love that name. I've always loved that name. It's a great name. Well, you go, go to uh, the NASA website and, uh, and put, your, uh, put your vote in. I'm sure she'd be yeah, tickled to hear go. that. Yeah. And um, so it's just been great having you with us. Thank you so much for being so generous with your time, your information. And uh, I know that this is going to be a hugely successful book for you. Um, Thank you. And I know that anybody that's listening here um, should pick it up. So with that, I'm going to wrap it up now and uh, thank everyone for listening. Um, And as I mentioned at the top of the show here, um, we're going to be in Arkansas for the next two Tuesday nights. So it will be November 28th when we um, return to the air on on a Tuesday night. And when we're in Arkansas on the 19th, we're going to think about you in New York on the 19th on Pleiadian Lineup. Being of service to empower the planet. We love it. So I'm going to wish everyone a good night, a wonderful week coming, and remember to count your blessings. Until next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com. 